Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Tara Scott, I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and this week I am recommending a documentary. And I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and this week I'm recommending a film. So, as always, just want to take a quick minute to thank everyone who supports the show, whether through coffee, signing up for the newsletter, there's links to both in our show notes, and also everybody who's rating, reviewing on your podcast apps, telling your friends, anything you're doing to get the word out. We love you. We appreciate you. Aren't you the most attractive? It's so wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) So... There was some news in the last week, or I suppose two weeks for people listening, because when we record this, and also, by the way, I feel like we should put a little disclaimer, (laughs) we are recording this on a Monday evening. For people who are new to the show, that means we're probably going to be a little sillier and a little more rabbit holy than usual, because we're doing this at the end of a work day instead of on Sunday mornings. We're refreshed. We've had a couple coffee recently. Yeah. (laughs) But one of my favorite TV shows, We're Here, was nominated for a Peabody. I am so (laughs) excited for them. And it feels to me, I mean, you watched some or all of season three, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Great show. It just feels correct, I guess. Yes. Is the way to put it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. It's. Like, it's like Queer Eye with drag, I guess. But when I think specifically season three, it felt like a documentary series almost more than like your typical reality series because of the way it was telling the stories not only of these queens, both, you know, the three that are the hosts and, you know, the ones they're putting into drag on the show, but the way they were documenting the increasing and kind of like ever more violent anti-trans anti-drag which frankly the two are the same right like if you're anti-drag you're anti-trans and often vice versa it was captured in a way that felt fair really like it showed the threat and just did such a good job i agree i loved it when you recommended it and we yeah that was great yeah i watched it and then we had amy on I know. Yeah. So congratulations to everybody who worked on the show. And I hope a season four gets announced sometime soon because the need to tell these stories is not going away. Right. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about. I actually want to revisit my recommendation from the last episode, uh, Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe, because (laughs) when I recommended it, I had no idea that it was the number one banned book in Woo-hoo! schools in the United States last year. <laughs> that means everybody has to read it. I mean, that's how banned books work. Absolutely, they should. And so the reason <laughs> I ended up reading it is right after I finished my last job, I got COVID, as we discussed, but I had energy <laughs> and I was uh, inspired one day, perhaps by my friend Cannabis. <laughs> um, I was like, what if, what if I were to tell my story as a graphic novel? And I did this like 
eight or nine page outline. It was insane. I did it all kind of wow. like in one shot, just like plowed through. Yeah, it's like when cannabis meets ADHD, miracles can happen <laughs> <laughs> like that, I guess. Um, but I was talking to Neil about it. And I said, the only thing is I haven't read very many graphic novel, like autobiographical graphic novels before. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, let me pull some for you. And that was one he got from the library for me. So I just, I read it and was really moved by how powerfully it's told having no idea that it was banned so many times it was i think it was banned in more than 40 schools in the u.s i think is what it said on the pen america site wow and the reason i found out is for people who are very online you probably saw how judy bloom was kind of I don't know if the if the right term is like coaxed or goaded or whatever you want to put it, but basically an interviewer in the UK who is notoriously transphobic basically mm. got her to say, I, I support JK Rowling 100%. And some people pointed to the things that Judy Bloom had to say about the book Genderqueer as kind of like a, well, I mean, she's not fully transphobic. And then Judy Bloom herself, of course, came out with a statement where she's like, I right. emphatically 100% support trans people. I don't support authors being harassed online. And so that's where it's like, I think it's awesome that even though she's 85, she supports trans people. <laughs> I do think it's kind of shitty that she, like, I don't know if she's just not aware of J.K. Rowling's transphobia. Frankly, a lot of people who aren't very online or not aware of it. Right. And I'm just looking at um, her Twitter page now. I had to go to it. Mm -hmm. uh, clever. And I just, I just, she's 85. I just don't think she's like, I think she has people who like do Twitter for her or oh, any sort yeah. of social media. I, I don't, I can't see her scrolling. And especially when you're involved in like, I'm sure she she was, it shows a bunch of pictures of her in the movie that's coming out. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, which yeah. we have all read that story. And I just feel like she didn't really, did, I died. She doesn't know. She just doesn't know. She's yeah. too involved in everything going on in her life. And I get it. If you're not on social media, really, you're not going to know. I mean, maybe if you watch The View or whatever shows that, you know, covered it for like a second of time. Then maybe you know. Was it the New York Times that was writing stuff, basically excusing for her and how she has that that podcast about like the witch? Try anyway, oh. like all this <laughs> yeah. bullshit. So it's basically all of that to say I don't want to give Judy Bloom like a hundred percent pass because no, but you have to be aware. Yeah, you have. But to she be apologized aware. too. It's it's yeah. hard because I've said some things on Twitter and I'm like, oh damn, I like know. I didn't mean that. You know, it's one of those where. I got slammed not too long ago, and I and I apologized because I was like, oh, well, I look like an idiot, but, yeah. you know, because I didn't know. So, I mean, and I'm very active on Twitter and social media. So, for somebody I, who I don't think is, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't know the extent of it. Maybe she just, oh, well, you know, everybody hates, not everybody, but a lot of people hate. Mm -hmm. jk rowling and so oh well why i mean uh, look at how much you know money she's generated for british actors and u.s and yeah. just all you know i can just see something like that happening not really totally. knowing the true story so i mean i kind of give her a little bit of a pass plus she's like literally my grandma. yeah right <laughs> yeah um yeah so the reason i wanted to come back to this wasn't because of judy okay. bloom although you know she was the precipitating <laughs> Uh, or her miss whatever 
all of that was a precipitating event. But I read some more perspectives on genderqueer and wanted to come back and basically say I was wrong about something um, and apologize Hmm. because I said that I didn't think it was for kids. And I was reading it from a, I mean, I was reading it for myself, but there were certain themes that came up that gave me pause and really made me concerned if my kids were to read it because it talks about self-harm, like cutting. Mm. It talks about pap smears as this like really horrific experience. Not that I think pap smears are fun. They're not my favorite thing to do. Right. But I, you know, I didn't want my kids to be afraid of them before they started doing Mm. them. But at the same time, I don't think it's right to say as a blanket statement that kids shouldn't read this book, especially if you're talking like middle school, junior high, high school kind of age, because the part that I was forgetting is that it is so hard for young people to find themselves in fiction when they are non-binary. Non-binary representation is just not nearly where it needs to be. And yes, this is raw. And there are difficult things that come up, like I described. And obviously, of course, there's a ton of gender dysphoria and all that. But like I said, I want to apologize for for just making a blanket statement like that, because that wasn't fair and that wasn't right. And I was thinking too narrowly. And what I would say instead is, if you're going to give it to your kid, or if your kid wants to pick it up, just read it too, because then you can be prepared and you can have those conversations and you can talk about like, yeah, pap smears suck. And for some people, they're incredibly painful and there are medical reasons for why we do them. And that's a conversation you can have. You can have a conversation about self-harm and cutting and that kind of a thing. I, I think I fell into that trap that so many parents do of saying, no, this is too much. Because I was afraid of having that conversation and that wasn't okay. So yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to take some time to address that and uh, put that out there as soon as possible. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to see the other top 10 banned books from last year, we put a link in the most recent newsletter. So head mm-hmm. on over to the website and grab that and, you know. Sign up for the newsletter if you haven't. Yes. It's do that. Just me. Saying th- no, <laughs> cut that part out. We can end it there. That's fine. <laughs> See? Monday. I know. I do I do have something to talk about. Ooh, what is it? So when you mentioned uh pap smears. Yes. Boom. Okay. <laughs> I know this is this is why we don't record on Mondays. How do you test Chris? Rabbit holes. <laughs> Well, so listen to this. So this came up recently that we did not know about. I live in a shitty state. We all know this. Missouri's horrible. Yeah. The good news is they have banned conversion therapy just recently. Very like good. Couple, like last month or something. So yay. But this article came out. Missouri lawmakers overwhelmingly support banning pelvic exams on unconscious, unconscious patients. Think about that. So, under current Missouri law, there is no prohibition on doctors or medical school students performing pelvic, prostate, or anal exams on unconscious patients without consent. I don't know what the correct emoji is. 
for this you know, information. Like, what is going on in my freaking state? It's horrible. Holy shit. Dude. There's so much, so much. Wow. Yeah. I so know. I just wanted to tell. And like, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. Well, yeah. That's uh, horrifying. Mm-hmm. So I think the like the top five worst states, I think Missouri's in the top five now. Oh, do you think so? I think so. Just my personal opinion. Okay, well, but I feel this very much. So I just wanted to throw that. I don't know if we're going to use that or not, but I'm just saying. It's not mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, and I didn't see that at all. The, the big thing I saw coming out of your state was just that they're making gender-affirming care nearly impossible right. to access, even yeah. for adults. Right. Yeah. It's just a hor it's just our lawmakers are just awful. I just I don't I don't understand it. No. I just don't. All right. So what you're saying is we gotta put an addition on the Scott family house. Yeah, you exactly. and Molly are gonna come I'm coming. over. We're coming. <laughs> We're coming. Oh, and Molly had an exam. She had her it was so funny because <laughs> Is it math? Was, is she good at it? So, <laughs> so I had to send an email out to my work saying, Hey, I'm taking lunch from 145 to 245 today because I'm taking Molly to the vet for her wellness exam. Oh, sure. <laughs> because I'm so used to saying wellness exam. And that means like your pelvic exam. Like when we say wellness, it's like women's wellness. Oh, really? That Yeah, that's what that is. So I was laughing and I was like, no, no, no. It's just her, her checkup. It's her yearly checkup. <laughs> so, and I was like, wait, that, that's not right. It's supposed to be you. So she, you know, she's 16. The doctor looked at her like, well, she's losing her teeth. She can't walk. Yeah. We're just going to check her liver. Yeah. So she's here on that. But she's. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So Molly is happy in here and uh, she's still hanging around. So I absolutely love that dog. Oh, that's amazing. The other the other day I was on Instagram and I saw that. So Bianca Del Rio is one of my favorite of the uh, drag queen. uh, Sorry, drag race winners um, and has two little chihuahuas and one of them i think it's sammy it was his birthday on the weekend and he had a little cake with a little number 18 oh. on it because he's 18 and i was oh like oh my gosh what a little old man oh, yeah. oh my goodness and it was hard yeah. to explain to my youngest she's like why is this a big deal and i was like well sammy may not have many birthdays left <laughs> And that is an incredible, and so we're guessing, true. Yeah. We've had Molly, let's see, like 14 years, and they thought she was maybe two, two and a half when we got her. Oh. So I really don't know how old she is. I know she's at least 16. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. So she, she might be 19. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. They were kind of going by the teeth. You know how they can tell usually like based on the teeth but i mean that only lasts while they one have teeth thing for sure yeah so one thing for sure is uh she was a puppy mill puppy oh they do know that yeah, yeah. and that she had a litter yeah so when i got her i'm thinking she either got out or somebody like tossed her out or something something happened so anyway sad story let's yeah, move on she made it to you okay she did we have a listener question from kathy and that question actually went directly to you, but I'm going to read it because yes. you're the one who needs to answer it. And I would like to say in <laughs> advance that I said to Chris, well, what's the answer? And she said, you got to wait for the episode. <laughs> so, Chris, 
Kathy, and everyone probably, would like to know, after working together for so long, has Tara's reviews and insights on your work and others impacted you and how you write now? Okay, so. Uh, yes. All right. So here's the thing that's yeah. hilarious. Neil and I were talking about it, and I said, man, because you had just sent the question over, and I said, wouldn't it be hilarious if she said, I'm not going to answer, and then showed up, and then I asked the question, and she just went, nah. <laughs> so yes and no, because mm-hmm. when we started this podcast, you stopped reviewing my books. I did. You said, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's a conflict of interest, all that good stuff, bad stuff, whatever. But- listening to and reading your reviews of other books and that we we also talk about things mm-hmm. i i you have a very good mind a uh, very sharp mind for for being a reviewer and a reader and what you look for and what you appreciate in books and so i keep that in mind i mm-hmm. do as i write i'm gonna have to do the wwtd you know like, <laughs> that's what i'm gonna have to do uh but i think um I mean, your view, your reviews of the books that you've read of mine mm-hmm. have always been pretty good. I've always, yep. it's always been, you know, like a four star. Yeah. And I think other reviewers, I like, I have admitted that I do read my reviews. Yes. Uh, I think it's important for a writer to read reviews uh, just to see like the general temperament of your audience mm-hmm. and just see if you're, if you're landing it or not. And I, I do, I, I learn, I learn like, oh, she does this too many times. Or somebody was like complaining that I have my characters wink too much. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you? little things like that. And now I'm super aware of it. Or like if I say pussy too many times, I mean, I, I've mentioned that before yeah. that I, somebody complained about that. And I get it. If you're reading a romance, you know, that might not be a word for you that you want to read yeah. in a book. Um, so I get that. So I am very that is a word that jumps out at me now. Like mm-hmm. I have to know where the balance is, you know, between erotica and romance and what people would be comfortable reading. Yeah. So all in all, um, I do, I, I think it's such a writing is a growing experience. It's mm-hmm. not something that you're going to, you know, land, uh, right out the gate. It's just not going to happen. You're going to learn as you go and you're going to learn from, you know, people, some of it's valid. Some of it is just shit. Like mm-hmm. some of the reviews are just like mean but some of it is, you know, I learn and, and I take it to heart and uh, I go to the drawing board and go back to the computer and think about what I write. And it's not like I'm letting people influence me, but I'm just being made aware of of maybe the the feeling, if yeah. that makes sense. No, it does make sense. I think something, too, that you're really good at that not all authors are able to do is you don't seem to internalize a lot of what you not yeah. like not that you know not not that a shitty review won't be like a little ouchy but like it's not going to ruin your life or right. anything like that and there are some authors that i have said get off a good read right <laughs> because, Stay, yeah. oh. well so like one of my friends she was very upset that she got a three star and she read you know she was like this is my review and i'm like i have this one review that is so horrific that anytime any writer bitches about getting a two or a three or even a four star, or three and a half or whatever, 3.64, you know, some of these ratings yeah. I don't understand. But I just whip out that one review I got and I'm like, here, I want you to read this and then I want you to come back to me and cry about your three star review. 
So they never do. do and they? everybody shuts up. Like they read that and they're like, God damn, how are you still standing? I'm like, I know, I know. But so, I mean, some of those I do, I, you know, I, I keep, I, I take it to heart and, um, yeah. you know, some of them are just mean, like some people are just, they're out there yeah. to just, you know, be heard and for no reason. It's like reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, Chris, what have you yes. been reading or watching? <sighs> so, uh, I am still in edits and I'm also still in a deadline. So I've got mm. two things going right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, so basically all the music shows that I'm watching, American Idol, The Voice, perfect backdrop for what I'm doing, just like background stuff. So I have been uh, watching, keeping up on those. Mm-hmm. Catfish is back and we finally have a good episode. I finally watched a good episode. Ooh. After two really stupid ones, they were really horrible. <laughs> oh no. Um the third one, the third one was okay and I was like, okay, so I haven't quite abandoned it yet, but I just feel like like now it's becoming more uh people are aware of it and they just want to be on TV type thing. Oh, and so yeah. it's one of those where yeah. you can see that you can see the end. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to stop because it's it's too obvious now. Yeah. So, but you know me, I'm a loyalist. I'm going to stick with it till it like sinks maybe, but I might nail <laughs> on this one because, you know, I just I Ooh, can't do it. I think that's I the first time I've heard you say that. I know. In like more than two years. <laughs> Whoa, catfish, you're on notice. Get your shit together. Right. I mean, do better. Mm-hmm. Do better. There's got to be more people and real people. But also, everybody sees what they do, you know, what Catfish does, the yes. Google image search, you know, all those things. Cash App, fantastic. I love it. Mm-hmm. Like to put somebody's phone number in Cash App to see, you know, who comes up. Oh, and, yeah. Right? Like, there's a lot yeah. of cool things, a lot of tricks that you see. Yeah. And so, I'm feel I'm like, when I'm watching the show, I'm like, how is this still, how is this even still on? Mm-hmm. Like, how do people not just you know, know all the tricks. And I, I can't tell you how many, like, oh, that that's a fake picture and I'll Google image search it. I do it all mm-hmm. the time now. So yeah, so that it's like, it's getting close to the end, which is sad, but yeah. You know, Neve will go on to do something else and yeah. it'll be amazing. So yeah, but I did watch a movie Ooh. and I need to talk about it. Okay. Feelings. Okay. I watched the movie called 65. Mm-hmm. It was both horrible and good at the same time interesting okay why okay here we go i'm just you know this isn't even a recommendation i'm just going to read this to you because i cannot explain it in words and so this is the yeah yeah here we go after a catastrophic crash on an unknown planet pilot mills played by adam driver you know who Mm -hmm. adam driver is right okay oh yes quickly discovers he's actually stranded on earth 65 million years ago (laughs) think about that that's so stupid but here's the deal. It's like, we don't know. Yeah. Like, what is time anymore? Plus, who doesn't know that, you know, we're a brand new universe just starting off when, you know, millions and zillions and quadrillion light years away, there's one that's ending or, you know. For sure. So, right. So I was like, that's kind of a cool concept. I mean, really, because we can't be stupid enough to think we're the only ones in the whole world ever. Right. Through any any point in time. Yeah. So that was cool. But here's the thing. So he's stranded on this planet and he has like six hours to get hit or no, 12 hours to get him and this this girl, uh, the only other survivor of the mm-hmm. uh, the wreck, to like this escape pod and they leave. So what happens is this is, I don't know, should I, I'm going to, am I ruining this? Uh, I'm not really ruining it. No, who cares? Right. Okay. Yeah, do so, it. So 
so he's like a transport pilot. He transport people who are like frozen and he takes them, you know, different mm-hmm. worlds away. Well, they get in this sudden asteroid, like something's happening, like rocks are hitting the side of the ship. That's how he crashes because they get into this, this, this something. You don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but a lot of rocks are hitting the, the, the ship and it crashes. So it turns out it's the freaking asteroid that killed the dinosaurs that comes down to Earth <laughs> 65 million years ago, you know, per what everybody says. And so it's that asteroid that he has to try to beat. So uh, it was so bad, but it had it, dinosaurs and the concept was just so... Is it like a good, bad movie, though, or is it a bad, bad it's movie? A, it's a good, bad movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Movie. So like... Grab an edible or a drink of your choice. Right. Have fun because they're dinosaurs, all different kinds. I'm going to watch this. And you're going to call me and you're going to go, what the fuck? No, I'm not. Because here's the (laughs) thing. You have made so many recommendations of things where it's like, wow, that sounds really excellent. And like, it's going to hurt my heart. And then I don't watch them because it's going to hurt my heart. And this just sounds like good, stupid fun. Uh (laughs) It is. It really is. It's, I mean, it really is. (laughs) All right. I can't explain it. So. That's hilarious. What was it? What did you watch it on? Do you remember? Uh, I actually, this is bad. You're going to hate did me for this. Did you pay money for it? I did. I paid my, I was desperate. <laughs> I, was, I was desperate. So I paid my cable company uh-huh. to rent it. I rented it. So it is available to rent on okay. cable platforms. So. All and maybe right. it's somewhere else. I don't know. But enough about that. What about you? Oh what God, have you been hilarious. reading and watching? <laughs> uh, okay, so I finished Drag Race Season 15. I don't know what I'm going to do on Friday night now that I don't have Drag Race to watch. <laughs> You're going to find something to do for a couple of weeks. And here's the funny thing. I have been kind of bitching about this season and complaining about various things. Yeah, like... The episode lengths were weird at first, and then it was like, I really, the thing that never changed, though, was that I really love the queens. Even when I was like, eh, like, it's fine, it's, but, like, I really love the queens. And then the finale, I was so invested in the finale. (laughs) Who won? Sasha Colby won. Which is Ah. who, and honestly, I think part of the problem for the season for me, it was so clear from the first episode that this was Sasha Colby's season. And there is nothing wrong with that. But also nobody was ever going to be able to beat her because she is such an incredible season queen. And I don't even just mean old. She's younger than I am. She's 38. But she's so polished. She did you say older than you? (laughs) You Fucking liar. (laughs) God, I'm so sorry. Um, Continue. No, like she's so polished. And she's so smart with what she, her choices that she makes as a performer. Mm. And also, like, she won 2012 Miss Continental, which is, like, the drag pageant to win. So she's already wow. kind of legendary for that. But actually watching, it was so cool. There were a bunch of things in this that I really liked. They did a, their first time. They've added a Lifetime Achievement Award to Drag Race finale stuff. And they gave it to, oh, this is really great up until the point where I forgot his name. Uh, they gave, <laughs> Monday. So good. No, no, they uh, they gave it to Bob Mackie for, you know, all the things that he's contributed. He's the costume designer and fashion designer. Incredible. So he showed up there. He's like also probably 85. He's just a little teeny tiny guy. He's still, he's still designing. Like, good for him. They had Jinx Monsoon 
on mm-hmm. to perform When You're Good to Mama because she was on Broadway in Chicago. And so she got to do her big number on there. And it like, I got chills. I watched it twice. It's so good. <laughs> but the thing that I thought that was really cool, because there's been other times in finales where, so they do it at this theater in LA. I can't remember which one. It doesn't really matter. But often it would be like, okay, these two lip sync against each other. And then these two lip sync against each other. And the two winners lip sync against each other. They didn't do that. This time, all four of them came on and they performed to an original wow. song that they created. And then RuPaul was choosing the two best to go on to do the final lip sync. And you know what? The first three were fine. In fact, I would even say Lux was great and was perhaps robbed because she wasn't chosen to go into the final lip sync. But like Sasha Colby fucking ate it. Just, it was so good. This song was sickening. And the way she dances, because she is a dancer, was so good. And it was, so it was goddess. And the idea is that she's supposed to be this like Medusa figure. And she has these long braids and the dancers are there like pulling on them. So they look like snakes. It was just like, it was an experience. And then it got (laughs) to the final two. And we have Anitra lip syncing. Basically, she did a lip sync and it was great. And then we had Sasha Colby do a burlesque performance and it was fucking over. There were two reveals. So she had this massive fur coat that she opened out of and then it was in a gown. And then she did a reveal from that. And even then, like some of the things that she was pulling on on her costume two times to the music. Mm. And then she takes that dress off and she's nearly naked. Just like this little pair of panties and this like sort of shape of a bra, but mostly it's pasties. And it was like, you can hear I'm struggling to describe how good it was. And even then thinking like how thoughtful it is for a trans woman to perform on stage nearly naked as like a fuck you. This is what you're trying to legislate against. I am here. I am not going away. This is me. It was so, oh, I got chills. I watched that one like four or five times. That that was not even a watch it twice. (laughs) And the thing that I thought was really interesting in the recap for that autostraddle. So Drew, I can't remember her last name. I think it's Drew Gregory or something like that. Probably my favorite of all the Drag Race recappers. Yes, I read three or four of them. I have to, like a nerd. Of course. But was basically talking about how the show has gotten so much more progressive about trans representation and inclusion in spite of RuPaul, not because of RuPaul and the producers. Oh. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is often a problem with, like, cisgender gay men not being the most supportive of trans people and trans queens. And, uh, you know, obviously he's come around to a certain degree because Mm -hmm. there are more and more and more trans women um, competing on Drag Race. And, in fact, the last four winners have been trans people which is pretty awesome but there is kind of this like okay how long is it going to be rupaul because he's really not as progressive as a lot of um, people would like to see and so i loved when drew said like can we just make it sasha colby's drag race at this point because sasha colby is probably the only other drag queen i mean there would be some but really when you talk about like reach and pedigree and excellence and all of that like it just makes sense of all the people who have done it 
Why is the Apple TV thing? I'm looking at it too. Like, what is happening with your computer? I know. It's because I had to rent. So I rented the movie. Oh. I rented. I paid money for the documentary that I'm recommending. And Apple TV wants me to know that it expires in 23 hours. And it's like, you couldn't tell me that, I don't know, in like 20 hours? Um. Apparently not. So since, uh, on to other things, since the last time we talked, we watched all of what's out of The Mandalorian, except the new episode dropped, yes. In the last couple of days, we haven't watched it yet. This season I, is weird. It is. It, it's, it's a little weird. It's like, it's good. I'm enjoying a lot of it. I'm really not mad that there's that, you know, like, super hot butch. That I think might oh, be a, I might be a bad person. Yes, um, you just, yes. But, but it. I mean, I can't say anything. <laughs> it feels like they're setting up like three or four other shows. Yeah. Instead of having a season of The Mandalorian. It, right. I agree. I agree. So I don't know. I mean, I love Pedro Pascal. I still love. Obviously, I love and the Grogu. baby. Who yeah. doesn't love the baby? Hey, He's so cute. Um, and, and I like his fuzzy hair. Yeah, his fuzzy hair. I like the Bo-Katan stuff that's happening right. too. But it just it feels like a weird kind of disjointed season so far. And I'm hoping that by the end, all the threads will have been tr- uh, tied together. Mm-hmm. But I think the true Star Wars fans will. S- they have they have feelings about this, and mm-hmm. they know exactly what's going on at all times. So, like, my friend, I have a friend who mm-hmm. is really into it, and she'll tell me, hey, you need to watch, they have, like, graphic. Oh, like Clone Wars? Yes! See, like, you need to watch this before you watch this, and then you have to make sure you watch it in order, and, like, die hard. Like, I'm not that die hard. We've watched those. I, I still feel like it's fairly <laughs> dist- <laughs> Well, I also have And you're pretty real- in-depth. I have such a crap memory, though. So there's a lot of like, hey, you remember this character? I'm like, I sure don't. Nope. (laughs) Thanks (laughs) for asking. And then that's kind of it, because I haven't been doing a lot of reading or watching things, because like I said last time, starting a new job. I started the new job. It turns out by the end of the day, I have no brain space left. (laughs) But I have been playing a game on the Switch called Octopath Traveler 2. I can't remember if I talked about the first one when I played it last year. But it's kind of fun. It's this like, you know, it's a it's an RPG and you're playing as there's like eight different characters and you kind of need to play as all of them. And I guess in the end, it all wraps up into one story. I can't describe it very well. It's really hard to describe, but it's a lot of fun, I guess, is what I'm going to say. So if you have a Switch or if you've been considering playing it on any platform, definitely do it. The thing that I love actually is it takes everything I love about the first Octopath Traveler and then just like dials it up a little bit. They've done oh, good. a really good job of fine-tuning it and adding some new elements that are pretty cool. So, yeah, go get that. Is it queer? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But you know what? Most of them aren't talking about that aspect of their lives. So maybe all the characters are queer. Yes, we just don't we'll know. go with yes. <laughs> They're all gay. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris. Yes. What is your official recommendation this week? Okay. So I've spoken to my magical remote. And I said LGBTQ. And I found a show. It's kind of like a documentary that uh, focuses on influential people in the LGBTQ community. And the very first episode talked about a YouTube sensation 
Troy Sivan. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Or I'm not, I don't know. But I think that's right. And I'm like, who the hell is that? I've never heard of this person. And like, there were eight episodes and I couldn't even get through the first one because the narrator was so, I I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just awful, awful mm-hmm. narration. But it covers people like, you know, Ellen DeGeneres and like, I can't even think of anybody now. I mean, it, I'm drawing a blank. But it, like everybody, like there are yeah. eight episodes and you recognize everybody, but I didn't know this name. Mm-hmm. And so then I look, I, I go and I look to see, you know, who is this person? And they're like a YouTube influencer, 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 influencer. <laughs> Influencer, right? Do it the French way. Well, and he like has music, and Mm -hmm. and he's an actor. And so then I found that he did this movie called, or he he starred in this movie. It's a 2022 movie called Three Months. And so here's the blurb. Okay, it's amazing what you can discover when life gets fucked up. Mm -hmm. Coming of age film about Caleb, a South Florida teen. On the eve of his high school graduation, everything changes when he's exposed to HIV. While he waits three months for his results, he finds love in the most unlikely of places. So I know that there's going to be some triggers and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, if you ever needed to study a film for symbolism, this is it. Hmm. There's a lot of symbolism in it. And I thought it was a good story snarky typical 18 year old you know teenager who struggles you know with life because everything is happening all at once Mm -hmm. and this is the summer like we all know that this is the summer that's supposed to be the best summer of a person's life because it's the the transition summer between you know adulthood and going to college maybe or Mm -hmm. going out on your own leaving your flying the nest or whatever and so this could be the worst summer of his life because he doesn't know if he's hiv positive or not and this was this actually the story takes place in 2011 and so back then the tests were 90 days like i did some research i'm like okay so is it still 90 days you know it's been 12 years is it still 90 days and so they have like several different kinds of tests and some are as as quickly as 10 days but i think for like real substantial results the the quickest one is 33 days so now it's like gone oh, from nine okay. months or i'm sorry nine, 90 days down to 30 so basically the movie is month by month so we have june july august and we learned more we learn more about him every month in between his blood tests like he's encouraged to go to a support group for men with hiv or who are waiting for results like he is Mm-hmm. And he meets another 18 year old uh, who is going through the same thing, but is like a couple weeks ahead of him on the schedule. Yeah. Um, his name is Esther and he's complete and, and Caleb is completely smitten with him, like completely. He goes from I refuse to love ever again. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to remain sexless, sexless forever. Mm-hmm. And then he meets this kid in this group. I say kid, 18 year old in this yeah. group. And he's he's like, oh, you know, I really like this guy. So, you know, the movie is, is, it's heavy, but it's also really light, Mm -hmm. if that even makes sense. So Mm -hmm. we're on Caleb's journey and he's, he's processing, you know, what could be a life-changing event. Like it's really, it's all consuming. That's all he can think about. He can't sleep. You know, his, his, he's an ass to the people who love him. And, you know, the bad thing too, on top of everything else is that his whole life he's been dealing with abandonment issues. Like his dad died of a heart attack. His mother abandoned him for like to get remarried right away. Mm-hmm. So he lives with his uh, paternal grandma. And and listen to this. She is Ellen Burstyn. No way. Yes. And her partner is Lou Gossett Jr. What? 
Yes. So, I mean, this is kind of cast. Like, I yeah. was like, what? What? Yeah. So, it was, it was really interesting. So, basically, he's he's hit rock bottom and he, like, he just feels like the weight of everything. And he just kind of breaks down to his grandma. And she's, like, the best grandma ever. Mm-hmm. And she just holds him. She goes, listen to me. You just need to embrace life. You have my blood running through your veins too don't worry about anybody else go to parsons he wants to go to this like art school in new york mm-hmm. and he's he's ready to give it all up because he just thinks his life is over because he doesn't know the results but he's just he's going along like he already has it and he's just like give it up yeah can i ask a question yes at this point in time mm-hmm. is the medication that makes hiv undetectable pretty widely available yet or does he just not know if it is so his best friend tells him about this drug but he it's been too long like the doctor's like i'm sorry it's it's not within your window time frame it's like i guess the i don't know like whatever drug i know there's a lot of different drugs but there's this one drug Mm -hmm. that it's kind of like the all I know is that I'm not even going to try to guess or try to mm-hmm. pretend like I'm a doctor, but it's like it could, you could only take this drug three days, up to three days after you had unprotected sex with somebody who has HIV. Oh. Like, and I don't know. That's I don't not know what the, that's called. Yeah, that's not the, the kind of medication I was thinking. There, there uh, is medication you can take now, which I know because of reading Jonathan Van Ness's book, that after you've been diagnosed with HIV, oh. like there's medication that you can yeah. take so mm-hmm. that like the reason they call it undetectable is that like when you take a blood sample, it can't be found in there. I don't think at this point that's the case. I know okay. that he and his best friend are talking about, you know, if this is the case, then, you know, there are drugs, you can live a full life still. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know, like really in this time frame of, of drugs, medicine that was available, yeah. I don't know the answer to that. But also 18-year-olds are really good at catastrophizing, so. Yes. So anyway, uh, she is very encouraging. She's like, don't worry about anything. You know, whatever happens, we'll we'll embrace it. And it's really cool because he has a great relationship with his grandma. Like, he hides nothing. But he hid this from her, and she was distraught over it, you know. And he was was doing it because his dad, you know, her son died from a heart attack. And so he didn't want to put that pressure of maybe he might be dying at some point sooner than expected and so um so she just yeah it was just it was such a touching scene like the whole the whole relationship was just wonderful and like his i don't i can't give anything away but um i thought it was um had ups and downs lows and highs but it's humorous it's heartfelt and you know it's a queer journey and all of our queer journeys are important Mm -hmm. so i recommend it for that reason it sounds great yeah, I mean, I, I really think you should watch it. You know, some of the stuff I recommend, I'm like, yeah, you're not going to like this. But I really <laughs> think you'll like this one. I really do. So, I'll three see months. It. I'll see if we can find it in It's somewhere and streaming it. Yeah, there's, it's, because I found it, was it on Paramount Plus or Hulu or something? Mm-hmm. I know it was on one of the streamings. I don't think it was on, I don't think it's on Netflix. But okay. it's out there. It's three months. And this kid did a great job. This Troy Savon. I, I don't know. It sounds like a great name. If if that's not how he pronounces it, then he should because it's a great way I'm pronouncing it. So he should sure. go by that if it's not. So he's not gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> probably not, but just in case. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was I thought it was good. And so then I went on this rabbit hole. I went to YouTube and I was listening to his music, you know. 
has me videos like i haven't seen videos in forever no literally i you just what are videos like yeah my childhood was videos and then nothing but reality shows and now i'm going back to videos and it was just kind of fun so i listened to his music it's not great but it was it was (laughs) it was entertaining and the videos were great i mean i loved it i i Mm -hmm. there was one that i thought the video was it was fantastic i just loved everything about it so yeah anyway so check them out and check that movie out and uh, that is mine yeah so what about you what is your official recommendation this okay so came to yesterday well actually so we pushed our recording by a day because it was saturday and tara went oh shit i don't know what i'm gonna recommend (laughs) and so even yesterday i was like i still don't know what i'm gonna recommend and i was like you know what i've heard so many times about you know the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert being this like must watch and i thought i'm gonna like watch this we'll do the whole like watch a classic film and recommend it and then like one of the leads is trans and then guy pierce's character keeps calling her by her dead name and then they're doing they're singing like the how many however many bottles of beer on the wall but they're singing it with like a tea slur and i was like i think there's too much transphobic stuff here for me i'm not gonna do it that queer films and stuff from like even 15 years ago do not age well uh, this was one of those cases of like live and hope right <laughs> i guess i guess so i bailed and was like oh man now what am i gonna do and then i remembered that there's a documentary that i've been meaning to watch since i first heard about it and I checked and I was like, is it in Canada? Oh, it is, but only for rent. And so I even paid money for this. I know. I have never rented off of Apple TV before, but this time I did. It is called Workhorse Queen. And it's the story of Ed Popiel, or also known as, actually, I'm not even sure I said his last name correct, which is awful because I just watched it last night. Anyway. Uh, more people know him as Mrs. Kasha Davis because he competed in season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh. I follow him on Instagram. He was talking about it last year, possibly even the year before. And it like hit all the indie circuits. And I kept kind of waiting for like, and it's on Netflix or it's on Prime Video. And it's like, it never mm-hmm. happened. But, you know, yesterday I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe that was the time. And I really, really enjoyed it. It tells his story in phases, kind of like the before, during, and after his appearance on Drag Race. And so we see that, you know, when he was growing up, he knew he was different. He knew he was kind of more feminine and he liked dresses and he was much more aligned with his mom. And his dad is like, stop playing with dolls and like doing some pretty shitty things to him to try to make him like, quote unquote, man up. And it was so clear. And he's at this point, I think he's 50. I think he just turned 52 or something like that. And he knew it wasn't really an option for him to be gay, to be out and to be in a relationship with his family. And so he even went so far as marrying a woman and that marriage lasted about five years. And he came out to his parents when he was divorcing and as predicted, it did not go well. He followed it up by moving from, I think he said he was born and raised in Pennsylvania, but he moved to Rochester, New York, and he found the drag community pretty much right away. Hmm. And they actually spend quite a bit of time in this talking about the drag scene in Rochester, that it's actually like this really lovely, warm, welcoming community. And there are a few other queens from there that have made it onto Drag Race as well, like Pandora Box and Darian Lake. Darian Lake, I think, made it to the top four in season six. 
And that was also where he met the man that he went on to marry. And so there was this great, like, we, we hear a little bit more about their story and how, you know, his husband also had been married before, but he actually had kids. And so mm. his husband's name is Stephen. So Stephen was concerned, like, is any man going to want to be with me when I have kids? And meanwhile, you have Ed there who's like, I'm never going to be able to have kids now. And it was so sweet when he talked about the moment, realizing like, oh, I'm never going to be able to have kids. If I could have kids, they would be like his kids. Wait, they are my kids because we're together. And so it's just like, that's sweet. Right? Like, it's really beautiful. You know, talks about how it was a revelation when Drag Race started and he auditioned year after year. He auditioned every year after the first year only to finally get on after his sixth attempt. He had been managing a call center kind of prior to that. Unfortunately, he didn't make it as far as he would have hoped. He was the fifth to go home. And so we find out, you know, they had to make a decision. Does he continue working? Does he quit his job to pursue this? Because at least, like, even going home that early, like, there's tons of queens that can kind of make things work after that in terms of just being a full-time drag queen. But the gigs kind of dried up after that first year. And so he talks mm. about how that led to he had too much time on his hands and he started drinking too much and he realized he had an addiction problem and rehab. And then kind of the last act is what his version of success looks like. So where the title comes from, Workhorse Queen, is there's actually a quote from the episode where he sent home from Drag Race. And I think it's Isaac Mizrahi was the guest judge in that episode who was in talking about her said, you know, this is like a workhorse queen and a workhorse queen has to make you laugh from the minute we see her. And then mm -hmm. it switches to Ross Matthews, one of the regular judges who says, and it didn't happen tonight. And so it's kind of perfect though, because we see she is a workhorse queen. She's at the brunches every week. She's, do you know, she's doing the hustle. And the thing that I really appreciated about this is there are a lot of people, frankly, like me, who mostly get their exposure to drag through Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And that can happen for kind of a variety right. of reasons. That can be true for people who live in small towns. Uh, you might be somebody like me who just fucking hates clubs and, like, doesn't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go to a club. I, you know, all that. <laughs> but I like that it really challenged what a lot of people think drag is now because it's not all people who can show up to you know, with a $5,000 costume that they got a designer to make for them. Yeah. And I thought, like, a way that that was really interestingly contrasted is we see at one point she gets a parcel arrives and there's two dresses in there that she had ordered from something. And, like, they're great. But then we see her at DragCon, which is, like, the big annual conference that, you know, Drag Race puts on. And she's talking to Alaska, who won season two of All Stars and had been on one of the other seasons. And Mrs. Kasha Davis says, oh, is that a Zaldi dress? And Alaska's like, yeah. And Zaldi is the person who designs all of RuPaul's dresses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you see that disparity between, yeah, some queens get to go on and be able to afford the same designer that RuPaul uses. Not all of them are able to do that. Mm -mm. The other thing I really thought was very interesting from a storytelling perspective and also kind of a beautiful sign of friendship is there's a lot of inclusion of another Rochester queen named Aggie Dune. And so Aggie Dune is performing at the brunches with Mrs. Kasha Davis and with Darian Lake, 
all the time. Like if you follow any of them on social media, you'll see them promoting the same brunches. Aggie Dune has auditioned more than 10 times on Drag Race and has never made it on. He's been performing in drag for over 30 years. So was there before, you know, Kasha Davis got started. And the thing that I appreciated was seeing kind of that, like, this is somebody who wants it. This is somebody who is hungry. In part, yes, for the exposure, but also she got really vulnerable talking about how it's actually gotten to where it's impacting her friendships because she doesn't have this experience that her other friends have all had. So it's almost like I'm halfway in the sisterhood, but I can't fully join in there. And then the other thing that I really loved is that it talks about how, so like I said, it's kind of that um, Mrs. Kasha Davis has her own happy ending. And that happy ending isn't necessarily the same as like Jinx Monsoon, who got to go on Broadway, like I was talking about, or even like Trixie Mattel, who had like a reality show where they're making over her motel in Palm Springs and gets to do all these other things. You know, like there's some of the queens that just get to these like mega, mega heights. But she built this incredible thing in Rochester. It's called Imagination Station. And it's kind of like a live variety show for kids. And what I loved about it is, and so it's her, she brings Aggie Dune there. I'm sure there are other queens that come in too. But you get to see the way the kids light up, that they think it's magic. And I'm actually really glad I watched it now instead of when it came out. I think I would have loved it regardless, even if I had seen it then. But it feels even more important right now, while there are all of these people who are either legislating or trying to influence legislators to ban drag, saying that drag queens are groomers, just like trans people are groomers. And it's like, when you see what's happening there, they're not grooming them for anything except having imagination and seeing possibilities and seeing magic in the world. I think it's kind of one of the perfect antidotes to those arguments because, you know, drag queens and trans people are kind of the, 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 the wedge that's working because they couldn't stop same-sex marriage from going through, right? Like that ended up being a losing battle for them. And when they're calling drag queens and trans people groomers, they're going to be calling us that too, if they're not already. Like, all queer people are right. at risk. And, you know, it shows that we're not grooming, we're just living our lives. And, right. again, tying it back even to what we were saying with genderqueer. You're not grooming kids by giving them the book. You're helping them understand that it's possible to be non-binary. That we don't have to fit in these very specifically prescribed boxes that don't really benefit many people except those in power. And like, I love that this movie, that this documentary can show that it's a really wonderful, I wouldn't call it raw, but I would call it honest, including like the way he talks about his addiction when he came back from drag race and like he had to go to rehab. He almost lost his family. Yeah. So I really loved it. I don't know where else you can get it when you're in the U.S., but you can definitely get it on, you can definitely rent it from Apple TV if you're in Canada, and I'm pretty sure you could if you're in the U.S. It was well, well worth um, the cost of the rental and the time, and I just think it's wonderful. I'm so glad they made it, and I'm glad I spent time with it. So, yeah. Sounds like it. That 
is all for this episode. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the show, as always, if you haven't subscribed, please make sure you do so that your podcast app will tell you when we release a new episode. Uh, If you have a friend that you think would like the show, please tell them about it. If you want to support us, we have links in the show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that too. Or you can search for Cruelly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitter, or email us at podcast at Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.